the steam is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Spoonful of Sugar, a song from Mary Poppins. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Five Kids. My name is Bria Cat and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I will be interviewing Michelle Moore. She is an animal assisted activity facilitator. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Hi FM to find out more about an animal assisted facilitator. Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a general knowledge question to challenge your thinking. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this Hi Kids show. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Five Kids. My name is Buria Cat and I'm 12 years old. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good and you. I'm very excited to hear about more what you do. So I want to do have an interview with you because I thought it was very interesting what you do with animals and how you help children or adults with specific needs through animals. So can you tell us a bit about it? Well, the thing is, animals are non-threatening, are they? You know, they, 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 if people can be threatening. If, if you don't know somebody and they come and they start asking you questions or um, leaning over you, or touching you, you might, you might feel intimidated or threatened. Whereas nine times out of ten, an animal is, not, is, is non-threatening. An animal asks nothing from you at all. What it gives is of itself. So we find that by using an animal to facilitate something with somebody who is either ill or disabled um, or in need of help from a, from a psychological point of view, people respond better to the animals. I mean, to know, in fact, that if you've got very, very high blood pressure and you stroke a cat or a dog, after so many minutes, your blood pressure will automatically drop because you feel good. Endorphins, endorphins are released, and they, it's a feel-good hormone, and it makes you feel fantastic, makes you feel safe. And if the animal then turns and looks at you with those big googly eyes of theirs and you look into their eyes, you realize that they, they're sort of going, wow, you're awesome. And that's good for all of us, isn't it? It makes, boosts our egos, makes us feel wanted. It really shows us the power of thinking. If you think good thoughts, you can really change your situation. Like I was watching this TV show and the girl had cancer Mm. and she said something about like, if I keep positive, then the cancer will go away. And she gives like a list of things that she's happy about Mm. and that she will look for the good in, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. So it really just shows the power of thought. Mm. Well, just an interesting one with very elderly people who are forced to go into an environment where they have to leave their family, we find that if they get a small animal that they can take care of, whether it be a dog or a cat or a hamster or a bird, and they then have something to live for, don't they? Because every morning they have to get up and they have to feed that animal. They have to take care of it. Um, They have to make sure in the evening it's taken care of as well. And quite often, if you go and you have a look in, in some of the parks or even if you go through to Sandringham Gardens, um, you will see people walking their little dogs because as soon as they sit down, somebody else comes and says, oh, that's a lovely dog. So it becomes a way to facilitate a social interaction because now somebody's going to talk to you. 
and you could be very lonely on your own. You could have had to, your, your kids could have gone overseas, your grandkids could be overseas as well. And this way, you are getting people to come and interact with you. So it's not just for a disability, it's just for companionship and for getting human companionship as well. It's really fascinating. Like, it give you, it give you, it gives you a sense of self-purpose to mm. be able to do something for another being. So if you're feeding your dog or if you're giving it water or if you're patting it, it definitely gives you a feeling of self-purpose. Just remember to your dog, you are everything. You, if they look at you, they, they assume you this almighty power. Food comes from you. Love comes from you. Um, interaction comes from you. You are the center of their universe. Wow, that's quite something. And I remember someone telling me that if you f- if you look after birds a lot, mm. they will think that you that you their mother, so they'll follow behind you. If you take a young bird and you start taking care of it from a very young age, it, it's, it does what we call imprinting. It looks at you and it assumes that you are its parent, so it will follow you around. It will follow you around, and no matter where you go, if you had to get onto a bicycle and ride away, it would fly behind you or run behind you if it was a chicken or a duck. And then when it loses sight of you, just give up. Not, I think they would probably fly in a desperate attempt to find you. Um, so, you know, we've got to be very aware of that with birds, and we've got to make sure that they, if we are leaving them that um, for to go shopping or go to school, that we leave them in a safe environment because um, they would miss you that much that they might come looking for you. Whoa. Mm. And then that could result in them getting hurt because exactly. if they're walking across the road, mm. then they don't know what a car is. Well, the average Johannesburg motorist is not going to stop for a duck that's walking across the road. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's definitely true. Mm. People mm. are bad enough drivers. They don't have to think about people on the road, you know. Mm. Mm. That's true. But dogs are used in you know, many things. You know, we, we use dogs to facilitate therapy. For example, I've worked with a young man who hated um, working with these occupational therapists, especially on the trampoline. And we used a dog to convince him that the dog wants to learn how to jump on a trampoline and he had to show it and, you know, teach it how to jump on the trampoline. And that way he got into the trampoline and he did the exercises that he needed for his physical well-being. Um, and the, if it hadn't been for the dog, he would never have done it because he thought he was teaching the dog and he got pleasure from teaching the dog to do that. Wow, that's really amazing. Like what I was saying before, the power of thought. Mm. My ballet teacher always says, like, think that you're beautiful. Look, if you mm. think that you're beautiful, you will look beautiful. You I will had, dance well. You will. I had an incident um, at um, at the lodge, uh, Sandringham Lodge, quite a few years ago where they had a man who was an elective mute. In other words, he chose not to speak. And I went in there with a dog, and the dog went and sat near him. You've got to trust your dog. The dog knows who is the best person to work with. And the dog went and sat next to him. And he looked at the dog, and I said to the dog, Layla, have you found a new friend? Her name was Layla. And he was smoking a cigarette, and he flicked it away. And the next thing, he started singing a song by a chap called Eric Clapton called Layla to her. And everybody was so excited because they'd never heard him utter a word before. That is crazy. Hmm. So he didn't, he just saw the dog he for inter- one interacted moment. with the dog. He didn't see the dog as threatening in any way. And he felt he could relate better to the dog than he could relate to humans. Definitely. A lot of, a lot of times if you give someone criticism or you try and talk to them, some people, they just immediately shut off. So a dog is a way of 
making them not shut off and communicate. Well, animals are not judgmental, are they? They don't care how thin, how fat, how clever, or anything you are. As I said, you're the center of their universe. There's there's something that you can learn from every creature, and like something that you can learn from animals. They're not judgmental. They don't care if you have nice clothes or not. Mm, exactly. And you should try, you should actually strive to be like that because if you care about what's inside someone, then you'll find better friends because if you only care about how someone looks on the outside, you don't know how they're going to be on the inside. Some people who look beautiful are very ugly on the inside. Some people who look ugly are very beautiful on the inside. Some people are both. Mm. Yeah, but an animal doesn't care. They're exactly. just there for you. Mm. Don't judge a book by its cover. Exactly, exactly. So what animals do you use? I primarily use dogs because it's just a lot easier to transport them. So I, um, I've i had three dogs that I've used. The one is specifically for hospice work. So in other words, he works with people who are in there for palliative care. They are not going to get well. They are never going to recover. So he's an animal that provides comfort. That's all that he does. He's there for them, and they talk to him. He's a very small dog. He's a French bulldog, and um, he sits next to people. He allows himself to be hugged and patted, and he just lets them talk, and they talk. They talk, and every now and again you can say, um, his name is Rana, and then I, I'd say to them, Rana wants to know about that picture next to your bed, and then the person will not speak back to me. They will then direct their answer to the dog, and they will speak to the dog, once again, the dog is not judging them. The dog is listening. We as humans feel that if, you, if you're if you telling me something, I feel needs to go, oh, wow, really? Awesome. Oh, gee, that's not good. Whereas the dog just sits there and he absorbs it. And um, we find that that works very well. And then um, the dog that I was using for the, the children that were going to occupational therapists was a beautiful whippet that I lost recently. And then I had another dog. It was my son's dog. She was a Bozoi Afghan cross. And she's the one who used to work at the lodge and at Sandringham Gardens and our parents' home. So you said something about an occupational therapist. Can you tell us what that is? Occupational therapist is somebody who addresses a physical problem with somebody. So um, if somebody has got cerebral palsy or if somebody's had a stroke or somebody has had an accident, um, and they then work with that person to try and regain the use of the limb or the whatever the action was that they could do prior to whatever happened and it teaches them to so for example this little boy couldn't walk properly so the trampoline would help his legs and they had to do specific um, exercises on the trampoline so she worked with an occupational therapist and a physiotherapist with this little boy to to get to try and get him mobile so he could learn to walk properly and then as i said the dog was just there i would facilitate the dog assisting them to get the child to do the exercises. So I'm there for the dog. I'm not there for the child. My main thing is to make sure that the dog is in no way injured or stressed. And the therapists that I work with, the human therapists who are the child or the adult, are there to look out for the person that we're working with. So we, I facilitate the interaction of the dog with the therapist and the patient. If you're all in the room together... Mm. With the dog and the person, mm. won't they still get intimidated by you if all three, no. four of you are in the room? I, well, I just keep right out of it unless they ask me to request something specifically. So 
if I'm working with a, with a clinical psychologist or a child psychologist, it's normally done um, with me having um, an earphone in my ear and just myself and the dog and the child or whoever it is, the person. And then normally the, the, um, the psychologists uh, and the psychiatrists are behind a two-way mirror and then they, they ask me to try and get a response. But I never, I never ask. I don't ever say, I want to know or can you tell me? I will use the dog, and the whole time the, tr- the person is encouraged to work with the dog, stroking the dog, which calms them down, um, or the dog getting onto their lap. And that way we're able to ask the right questions in, in such a way, and the person answers the questions to the animal, not to me. So basically the only people in the room are you, the person you're working with, and the, the dog, dog. And, and then behind... Uh, like a screen uh, almost that you, that yeah. the person can't see in, but the therapist yeah. can see out. That's correct. Yes. But, but that is only ever done, you know, in an environment where we normally would feel if I'm working with children's homes. So if you, let's say, go to a hospital, mm. they won't necessarily have a two-way mirror. So how no, would you work I would, with them? I, I don't actually work in hospitals. We have a group called Top Dogs who work in hospitals. They have, they've gone and they've done their research and they go and they just go from patient to patient to patient. I normally work on request with a person um, where I've been asked by a family member or their doctor or their psychologist or whatever or their therapist to come in for a specific reason to try and address a specific problem. I don't do general work uh, except for the hospice dog. That's different. If I'm going into a hospice, I, you know, you come in today and the person you've been working with for the last month is gone and there's somebody else in their place. So that that is different. But that is very draining on a dog emotionally. Um, when you come out of there, when I come out of there, the dog just lies down on the back seat of the car and goes to sleep immediately because he's absorbed their emotions. Well, the person who goes? The person that he's working with, yes. Um, because dogs are empathetic. All animals are empathetic, so they pick up the emotion. And I get told, I haven't worked with a cat in that environment, that cats pick it up even more, and they are they become very drained from, from working in an environment like that. Wow, that's crazy because that means that they... The dog really develops a connection yes. between himself and the person he's working with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you choose a dog? Because you can't just take any no, random you dog. You've you've got to you've got to have worked with dogs for a long time, um, so that you can you can pick up which dog has is very empathetic because that's what you need an animal that's very very empathetic. Um, it's not. I mean, I've had diverse breeds. Um, I've seen border collies doing it. I've seen all types of breeds doing it. And as I said to you previously, I've seen chickens doing it. Whoa, mm. chickens. chickens. That's an interesting choice, I have to say. Mm. So you would basically work with a dog, see if they're right, almost um, observe them for the job. Mm. And then if they're right for it, then you then you Then you start training them because you've got to train them to get used to noise, to smell, to different people, wheelchairs, bedpans, hospital beds, people clanging things, people shouting People sobbing, people screaming. The dog has got to be able to cope with that environment. Um, if a dog is very empathetic but he can't cope in an environment like that, then he's not going to be able to do the job. Definitely not. You need a very specific dog mm. to be able to do that. Exactly. It's not just like a training for a normal dog. No, not at all. Not for at like all. a pet dog. No. Wow, this is very interesting and I'm really learning a lot about animals and animal-assisted therapy. And we will carry on after the song. You're listening to Chai Kids on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Chai Kids for Kids by Kids. 
My name is Buria Katz and I am 12 years old. So during the song break, um, Michelle told me something very interesting about the song, which was Rodi Durano. Yeah, so um, Alan Glass and, and Ed Jordan put together this album and I... I was very, very friendly with Alan Glass's mother, and she loved youth programs. And I used the song with a group of young adults, I suppose you would call them, high school children, at the Coronationville Training Center. And they're all in wheelchairs, or they have calipers. They, they're physically disabled. And we were trying to do an awareness of rhino poaching. So we use sound, or like so we use songs, we use music, dancing, everything to try and get the idea across. And they loved this particular song. And we formed a big circle and we had this music going loud. We were blaring it. And they were in their wheelchairs and bouncing their wheelchairs along to, you know, to this whole Roddy the Rhino and, um, and declaring how they would support the, the abolition of hunting rhino and how they wanted people to be punished for, for poaching rhino. And, what was so strange is that most of them didn't even know what a rhino was until we started and we showed them pictures of rhino and then we did this to finish off the whole exercise. And it, it was just the most amazing thing to see people who could not walk express themselves so joyfully and bounce their wheelchairs around to the song. And then at the end, they all shouted, down with poaching, down with poaching. It was, it was awesome. Now, there we worked with, obviously, their physical therapists um, and and song is a wonderful way of if we don't obviously we couldn't bring a rhino in, so the next best thing to do was to use a song relating to the animal we were teaching them about. So there are many ways of doing it. It's really amazing. Mm. A song can definitely awaken your heart. Mm, well, especially that one. That's really a cool song. Yeah, that is a cool song. And you know everything happens for a reason. I think the reason why we had to play the song today was that I could I could hear that. I think that is really cool. Mm piece of information mm. Mm. so back to animal assisted therapy do you normally work with kids who have like a disability i i work with i've worked with children who've had physical disabilities children that have had cognitive disabilities um i've worked with children that have got um, psychological issues i've worked with geriatric people i've worked with People who have been um, addicted to substances and are now in a rehabilitative program. It, animals can be used in anything. You know, I just go uh, on upon request. I don't go out and actively market it. But what we normally do is, is I will get a phone call from somebody saying, could we use an animal in this environment? And if the environment is going to be safe for my animal, then I will do it. If it's going to benefit the person. Um, and, the, and the animal is going to be okay with it because that's very important to remember that the animal isn't just a tool; it's also a living creature. Um, then I would I would use it. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, definitely. You have to take everything in consi- into consideration. You sometimes don't think, oh, maybe that animal actually has feelings. Maybe that person actually has feelings. Mm. Well, the, the little boy that I mentioned with the trampoline had an obsession with eyes and. He used to try and take my dog's eyes out. So eventually what I did is I got hold of some goggles, swimming goggles, and I put that on the dog because it was at the point where I was either going to stop the dog from doing the work because he could get injured um, or we had to come up with a, with a management plan, and the management plan was to put goggles on him to prevent him being injured. Yeah, Creative ways of solving problems, right? Correct. <laughs> 
So you mentioned something about geriatric or something? Geriatrics, elderly people. Okay, elderly people, as I said before, they become terribly lonely. And if they are prone to uh, problems, physical problems, which are going to keep, you know, make sure that they become bed bound, they can't get out of their beds, or they are in wheelchairs or things like that, they, it, it comes with, with problems. So at, for example, many years ago at our parents' home, I used to take a dog there and those people that were in wheelchairs were then able to take her for a walk because she would walk very calmly next to the wheelchair. We would just put a leash on. They would hold the leash in their hands. And this was getting them out of their rooms because they, a lot of them suffered from depression. They didn't want to come out of their rooms because they were actually afraid of going out there. And so they could take the dog for a walk. And then they would inter- people would say, wow, look at that dog and talk to them. Um, also people that had um, – we had people with dementia. We had people with um, – Alzheimer's, people with Parkinson's or also don't like coming out quite often because they, they feel that people judge them because they shake so much and they can't hold things. The dog doesn't mind. If you give them a brush and you ask them to, to groom the dog, they will groom the dog. And the dog will reward them by leaning into them and showing them that he really appreciates it. So it makes them feel that they're still useful and that they're achieving something. It's definitely more than one benefit of yeah. the things that you're doing. Mm. It's It's really incredible how... Giving someone something to do can really change their life. Well, think about it if you had nobody in the world, except maybe your community, um, because your family was where, because you didn't have family, um, and yet you had an animal that you were obligated, well, not obligated, you, you did it because you cared for this animal, that gave you something to get up in the morning. Um, it gives you a purpose in life, doesn't it? So then life's worth living again. So we've got to remember that. That's, an animal plays an amazing role. In a situation like that. Like I heard about in the Israeli army, they have autistic people. Yes. And autistic people, from what I understand, love repetition. They don't like any changes in the environment. Mm. They don't like new people. Mm. So what they would do is they would have cameras. The Israeli army would have cameras. And the autistic people would sit in front of a screen. Mm. And they would be able to pick up if something was wrong or different. Also, they... They can detect change very well. So they would sit in front of the cameras and they would see if something was wrong. Mm. And then they would see, let's say, uh, something's different over there. And they'll figure out that, that the Arabs, let's say, had built a new tunnel over there. Mm. So they were very, very useful for the Israeli army. Mm. And not, not only that, they were helping the country. So they changed these autistic people's lives by giving them a job in the army. A purpose in life. They were and giving they, them a purpose and mm, a and feeling they, of self-worth. And they're contributing back to general society, which is, it's great to be acknowledged, isn't it? We all need to be acknowledged. So, yeah, it's awesome. But the Israelis have also, they use dogs in, um, they've got, uh, I've got a friend who has a, a daughter who has several problems from, from an intellectual point of view. And she's involved in a program, it's an animal shelter, where they are bussed in there and they are asked to help train the animals in the animal shelter so they can be adopted. And it, all it is is just an interaction, but, but that person feels that they are contributing, and it, it gives them a purpose in life as well. Fantastic. It's really good. It's, it's really amazing for the, all the people who give people jobs that, whether they help them or not, 
that gives them a, a sense, a purpose that they're giving back. There's a program in, in um, Simonstown called Underdogs, and there's an animal welfare organization there that works with clinical psychologists and dog trainers. And what happens is children who've been made wards of the court because they've done something criminally wrong are given a second chance. They get sent to a program there and they get taught to work with animals. So they taught discipline because it teaches you discipline. It, you've also got to become very patient. You've got to become empathetic. You've got to become sympathetic. And they're finding that this builds they, these children's characters and they get, they come out of there with a sense of achievement. And they've got something that's dependent on them, that animal, something that looks up to them, changes their lives. So yes, it's fantastic. It's amazing because if they are acknowledged and they have someone to look up to, they can finally actually think about what they were doing and how wrong it was. And mm. they can really change their ways. So you giving that person a purpose of living, a second chance, and you helping society because they're going to have one less or two less people running around doing crime. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why we do a lot of youth programs because if we peer pressure means a lot more than an adult trying to con if I'm trying to convince you around my way of thinking it would be far easier if you had somebody your own age that you looked up to who who could then speak to you and change your your mindset so we do that with with young people um in that we try to teach them empathy for animals and respect for all sentient beings because a lot of them are exposed to to violence from a very early age and they see it as a norm so if they are taught to respect something and they have respect for life they're less liable to, to do harm and to damage somebody or something. It's a way of breaking them out of a habit that they used to. Like we were learning in school that like the way to break someone out of a habit is make them question the situation and then show them the right answer. So by them, by them working with animals, you can like detach them from the situation and then show them an answer. So it's a bit of a similar it is. thing. It is, because they start drawing their own conclusions through actual experience also what you were saying about peer, peer pressure it's definitely more influ, influen, influential to have someone your own age or someone your friend to convince you of something like we had a, a thing last year it was a very small thing but we were in the classroom and the teacher was saying do you think this or this and then the one girl said I think A and then everyone was like, yeah, 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 I think A, I think A. One girl said, I think B. And everyone was like, yeah, I think B, I think B, I think B. I think A. It was like just a, everyone, once one girl said that they had a different opinion, everyone just went to that, for that different opinion. Instead of it making quite their funny. Own, instead of, but you, you, you can be guided by somebody to make a decision as well. And that's, that's what we do in our youth programs with, with, with animals, with animal, what we call animal intervention. Yeah, that's true. You can be guided. Someone can you you definitely still have your own opinion, mm. and then someone can show you their opinion and show that show you show you why that makes more sense. And you can be you can change your opinion, not necessarily be influenced, but you can change your own because understanding because you're then making an informed choice. Exactly, exactly. it's not mm. just like being influenced into something you have you, that you have like no choice over. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Makes quite a difference, actually. Definitely does. So, uh, with your animal-assisted therapy, mm. do you w do you give use different animals for different problems? So, let's say you would use uh, 
chicken for an old person and a dog I've, for a You've got to sum up the situation. Person. Yeah, you've got to sum it up and see. Look, you couldn't go and work. You couldn't use a dog um, if that person was allergic to dogs or a cat if that person was allergic to cats. So you've got to know their physical um, issues as well. Is the pers- Does the person have any allergies? Um, the person could have a phobia of a particular animal. I've had that happen. Um, within our community, within the Jewish community, where the person was totally phobic about dogs, and it turned out that their their boba had been bitten by a dog, and every time she saw a dog, she'd go hysterical. So the child had spent a lot of time with the boba, and therefore took it as a perfectly normal thing to be afraid of dogs and from a, a paranoid about dogs. So the last thing I'm going to do then is bring a dog into an environment like that because that would be the wrong that would be the wrong thing to do. You'd start with something that wasn't as much of a threat. And work with that. So as I said, the chickens, we've worked with chickens with elderly people. And it's given them a sense of purpose because if you give them to them very young, as you said, the bird imprints on the person. And they are then taking care of a warm, red-blooded living creature that thinks they are fantastic. But on the other hand, I have used chickens within an environment with young people who were very aggressive and unfortunately, they they hurt the chickens. Um, so, you know, it's it's a terribly sad thing. But that obviously wasn't the right animal for that environment. So you've got it's you know it's it's not that easy. It's not black and white. It's not black and white. You you have to know a lot more about the child or the adult and work it from there. You also learn from your mistakes. So now mm. I don't think you're going to be giving chickens oh, to no. young aggressive children. Definitely not. Never again. Also, with the situation where someone is scared of an animal, you can give, you can work with a different animal and then show them that dogs aren't actually scary and they can be very loving and kind. Exactly, exactly. So, how can people contact you? Um, it's my. They can contact me on Michelle at animalhandling.co.za. It's very simple. Michelle with two L's, and they will get hold of me. That is. Very good. Thank you. Um, I must say, this is really interesting. It's a very cool topic. Thank you so much to my guest, Michelle Moll. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about animal-assisted therapy. It was amazing. It was so interesting. I felt like I could carry on talking for another hour. So thank you so much for coming to talk to us. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you to my producer, Mandy and Craig, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Chakid show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Chakids, for kids, bar kids.